Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field. Fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys. Smoke and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. I killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. So, what did it, what was Ed thinking with that opening? Uh, the first uh, the movie clip was from Remember the Titans, when uh, Denzel Washington, football coach, 1971, in a uh, in a uh, integrated school in Virginia, takes his team, and they have a little uh, jog to the to the to Gettysburg, the where the Battle of Gettysburg took place. And he takes his uh, his white players and his black players who are arguing and fighting amongst themselves because that's what they think they're expected to do and tells them about the Civil War and tells them how how uh, people died hating each other and for no apparent reason other than the color of their skin and how, hey, we have to take a lesson from the dead and otherwise we're all going to perish. No, that's the same exact thing you could say today, because for some reason, all this race stuff, I don't really think the race stuff is that big, is that big of an issue until the media helps hype it up. And, uh, and then, uh, that song was, uh, Elton John honky cat, which, uh, in, in light of, in light of, uh, Aunt Jemima pancake mix, Aunt Jemima syrup, how they're, uh, they're, they have to change the name of that that's been around since I was a little kid. 
Mrs. Buttersworth uh, syrup, uh, Uncle Ben's rice, which my, my mom, that was the only thing she ever used. And I don't know if there's a real Aunt Jemima or a real Mrs. Butterworth or a real Uncle Ben, but it kind of uh, symbolized that maybe this was somebody's recipe or maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, you know, whatever, for whatever reason they used, used that image. I don't think it was a downplay thing. My white mom bought Uncle Ben's rice all the time and Aunt Jemima pancake mix all the time. And uh, we weren't Mrs. Butterworth people. We were log cabin syrup back then. And right now, I never use syrup on pancakes because the only pancakes I will eat are Black Bear Diners. And if you've ever had Black Bear Diner pancakes, you know those things. You smother them with butter and you don't mess them up with syrup. They're perfect. They're the greatest pancakes on the face of the earth. And pancakes are not good for you, but... If I'm at if I'm going to Black Bear, I'm always ordering at least one pancake to go with whatever else I get, and uh, they're world champion pancakes. So that's what I do. So in light of that, you know, somebody put on, hey, so are we going to change the name of Cracker Jacks to Caucasian Jacks? And uh, how about Oreos? Well, I don't really know where Oreos where Oreos fit in because you got black cookies and white cream, and uh, and then you've got and but then you've got Honky Cat. Well, you know what? That story is about a country boy that goes to the city and they say, hey, get back, honky cat, go back to your, go back to the country. And he wants to leave his redneck ways in the past. So maybe we should call that Caucasian Jack. I don't know. And, and I'm, and, and believe me, I don't think any of this stuff is real. I, I don't think any of it, I'm, I'm being facetious in this. So don't start calling me a racist. I'm just saying enough. You know, they want to, they want to re-edit Gone with the Wind that came out in 1929. They want to get rid of cops. They want to get rid of live PD shows. You know, uh, they want to get rid of every picture that that has anything to do with the Civil War. And uh, if you've ever been to the Mission Inn, uh, Dwayne's at the Mission Inn, there's a gigantic picture. I don't know what uh, what Dwayne paid for that, um, but it must have been a lot of money. The detail, it's, it's a beautiful painting. Is he going to have to take that down now? Uh, I don't know. Um, just... You know, it's stupid. We're going to we're going to uh, get rid of all evidence of history and where we've been. And we don't have anything. We don't have anything to be embarrassed about, because, as you'll know, uh, the white, the the Africans from the that brought over the black people to become slaves and sold them to our country years and years ago. um, They brought them in. They weren't the only ones that were slaves. There was indentured servants, which were white uh, Irish people at the time. And guess who, guess what we did? We fought our country. We fought the Civil War and killed a gazillion people in our country fighting to free the slaves. So our country is not racist. We may have, we may have a few racist people. We may have a little bit of a race problem, but in general, America is not a racist country. I just don't believe that. You can say it all you want, but I'll give you some, event, uh, some examples where they're just playing this for political purposes. And, uh, you know, gone with the wind. I just, you know, they're, they're going to take down historic figures on statues and put up a, a, uh, a statue in Louisiana of Britney Spears. Why? Is this someone you want your kids to look up to? Britney Spears with all the crazy stuff she went through? All right, you could be a Britney Spears fan if you want. But is this the people we want to set up a monument to? Come on! Oh, hold on, let me do it like Joe Biden. Come on, man. So anyway, 
I'm going to talk about all kinds of ugly stuff that's happening in this country. And I'm going to try to give you my, I'm going to try and give you my, my uh, view on it. And, and I hope that, I hope that nobody gets the wrong impression of me, but I just believe that life is hard for all people. Whether you're black or you're white, it's just that some people train their kids that they're going to have problems because of the color of their skin. And I think that's, I think that's an injustice to their kids because all, all people have a hard time in life. Getting to the top of the mountain takes climbing one step at a time. And it's no different for white people as it is for black people, as it is for Asian people, as it is for Mexican people. We all have to pay our price. That's how God made it. You know, he's, he's a fair God. He doesn't, you know, I don't you know. Jesus was from, uh, from, from the Middle East. He wasn't white. So what, I don't understand where, where, the, where, the, where the root of all this stuff is. And, and it's frustrating for me to see this stuff happening in our country. And it just, it's, it's maddening and it's saddening. But I'm going to talk about all the details and give you some perspective on all of it. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you hear someone you, that you think thinks like you and you're, and you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night. One last time, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, uh, find me at edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo, and it'll take you to my lending page where you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear, hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, uh, Brian Goodman, Aaron Fredericks, or Cody Bradbury will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Hey, is this a good time for me to refinance? You know, I have people say, hey, is it a good time for me to re refinance? And I put all the stuff up. I go, I wouldn't. No, hey, you're at 3.75 and we're going to get you down to three and a half, but it's going to cost you this much money. The rates are sexy. The rates are sexy, but if the cost doesn't, doesn't make sense, I have one guy who said, hey, you know what? I can buy you down all the way to two and a, two and a quarter on a VA and it's going to cost you this much more money. He goes, uh, what would you recommend? I said, well, how long are you going to keep this place? He goes, well, when my son gets out of college, I'll probably sell it. Um, and I go, how long is that? He goes, probably three years. And I said, then let's not buy it down that far. It doesn't make any sense. So let's take the higher rate. Still cost to save him a couple hundred dollars a month. So anyway, every, every, uh, every scenario is different. There's no, uh, there's no plain vanilla. It's all, it's all specialized. Call me 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo and I'll, we'll help you get through that. Also on edhoffman.net, you can get the podcast if you, uh, you want to rehear something or you want to, you miss something. EdHoffman.net, click the podcast page. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can subscribe for free every week. We upload it every week. It'll download automatically to your uh, your computer or your phone, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, your i, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, anything you can get uh, podcasts on and you can hear it on demand if the radio times aren't convenient for you. Um, follow me on Twitter at where I tweet again about current events all week long. And the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. So, uh, and if you want to leave a comment on the show, e send an email to ed at edhoffman.net. So anyway, um, let's talk about what's happening. Uh, about three or four hours after we finished, uh, we finished recording, uh, last week, 
Um, there was a fatal shooting in Atlanta of uh, Atlanta resident Rayshard Brooks. More chaos has erupted in the debate over police reform since Brooks' death last Friday. Two police officers have been fired. One is facing felony murder charges. Um, the, the police chief has resigned. The Wendy's drive through where the whole thing took place was literally burned to the ground by protesters the next day. 36 protesters were arrested, but two people believed to be the original arsonists are still at large. And I have to ask myself, hmm, was it Wendy's fault? Was it Wendy's fault that this thing happened? I'll tell you the details of it for those of you that don't know. And, uh, and I'll let you decide. So we'll get to the police altercation. But first, let's start with the 911 call uh, that, the, that got the officers to the scene in the first place. Rayshard Brooks fell asleep in the Wendy's drive-thru on Friday night. So imagine you're out Friday night. You're going home. It's about 11 o'clock. You say, hey, I'm hungry. Let's get a burger. Let's get a Frosty. Let's get whatever. You drive through, and the guy in front of you falls asleep in the car where he was blocking cars behind him. So Wendy's employee calls 911. I have a car. I think he's intoxicated. He's in the middle of my drive-thru. I try to wake him up, but he's, he's parked dead in the middle of the okay. drive-thru, so I don't know what's wrong with him. So the Wendy's employee tried to wake him up. So they're tapping on the window. They're trying to wake him up. I don't know if, if his window was open and maybe they touched his shoulder, try to wake him up. Uh, I know that if I was behind him, I'd be honking at him. And because uh, I want my burger, give me my triple with everything, no onions. <clears throat> and I'd be, uh, and, and you know that people in Atlanta do the same thing. They want their burgers and someone fell asleep in the drive through and blocked everybody's access to burgers. Uh, that's what's going to happen when the officers, uh, but for some reason he wouldn't wake up when the officers, Garrett Rolfe and Devin Brosnan arrived at the scene, they woke up Brooks in his car. Uh, remember it's in the drive-thru, although, although it looks in the, it looks in the, in the, uh, video, like maybe he was in a parking place already. Um, but the, the, what they're talking about on the, on the video, uh, I'm not really sure. So, so they woke him up, whether he's in the drive-thru or whether he woke up before they got there and pulled into a parking space. And he, but he's asleep when they walk up and they administered a sobriety test, which Brooks failed. Hey, sir. You're sitting in the drive-thru line here. Blah, 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 blah. Stop. Very good. I just uh, had a, a few drinks. That's it. How many? One and a half. Like I said... I was into the second cup. I wasn't even. I told her, babe, let's go because I'm hungry. I what need what kind eat. of drinks did you have? Uh, I'm not sure. It's something she ordered. She said top shelf or whatever. Right. Just take me home. I'm ready to go. So you had about one and a half drinks, but you don't remember what kind of drinks they were? No, sir. All right. I really don't, Mr. All right. So he's at some uh, place. He orders uh, his, his wife orders it. And uh, he's not sure what it is. I think at one point he made he made a comment about it being a margarita, um, and he he drank one and he started on the second one and said, "Come on, baby, I'm hungry. Let's get out of here." So, but somehow he doesn't have baby in the car with him when he gets to to Wendy, so he dropped her off. Whatever the case may be, so it seemed like Brooks was cooperating until the moment, till the moment the officers got the handcuffs out. So they're asking him that he's standing there. He's being super cool. The cops are being super professional. Everything's cool. He said, "Hey, I could, I could, uh, I could leave the car here and walk to my sister's house and uh, and all that stuff." Which some people say, "Hey, they should have just, they should have just let him do that." Except for the cops, 
have a responsibility to take drunk drivers off the street for two reasons. Number one, to protect everybody else from him running over them. And two, to protect the, the drunk guy from, from getting an accident, killing himself. So they have a, they have a responsibility if he's not, if, if he's drunk and he's got the keys to the car and he's there, they have to take, they have to take him in. And what if they didn't and they left the scene, he went home and a 10 minutes after they left, he came back and got his car and then killed somebody. They'd say, Hey, what happened? You know, the Clinton, the Clinton administration had Osama bin Laden in the crosshairs ready to shoot him in 1996. And all they wanted was, was, was authorization to pull the trigger. But Clinton was too tied up in the Monica Lewinsky scandal and all the stuff that's going on him and they couldn't get in touch with him. So they let him get away. And 3000 people died on 9-11-2001 because of that. So Let's put that in perspective. The cops have a job to do. They're supposed to protect the drunk guy and everybody else from him being a driver behind himself, uh, being drunk. So it seemed like it seemed like Brooks was cooperating until the moment officers got handcuffs out. Um, you know, and he says, and then he says, uh, "Well, you know, I've only had I've only had one. I've only had one to drink." And uh, but they give him the uh, they give him the. The, they ask him if he'll take a sobriety test. He said, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say I won't." So, what does it do? He goes, "Well, you know, I have alcohol in my on, and we don't know if the cops smelled him reeking. You know, when somebody's wasted and you can smell smell the alcohol oozing out of their pores." So the cops were there making their observation. They get the uh, breathalyzer. He blows into it. He looks at it. He doesn't. In the initial video, you don't see what it is, uh, and they say, "Hey," you, he says, "You had how many drinks?" He goes, well, you're too drunk to drive. We and you know we put your hands behind your back. Later, we see the the body cam video from uh, from the cop, and it shows on the shows on the breathalyzer 0.108. Now in California, as well as in in as well as in Georgia, 0.08 is drunk. So this is 35 percent more alcohol in his blood than what is legally drunk. So he said, so he has to make a decision. So what happens when the cop doesn't make that decision because he seems like a nice guy and he's being cooperative? He has his job to do. He needs to take him in, let him let him sleep it off, let him sleep it off. Hey, you get out in the morning, you go get your car and everything's all better and everyone's safe. But he didn't know what Richard Brooks was hiding. So at the point, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like this scene from uh, from Due Date. Sorry about my friend. I think he's been drinking. You smell a little boozy too. You guys drinking and driving together? Well, we we haven't been drinking. I mean, we had a we split a six pack of forties, but yeah, we just split a six pack of forties. Uh, Let's see, that's uh, like the equivalent of ten beers. So uh, you know, that's that's not just yeah. You know, hey, split a six pack of uh, twelve ounce cans. So at the point that Brooks resisted, he stole the taser from one of the officers and started running. And if you watch the video, he's they're fighting. This guy is not a small guy. And I will tell you, I'm not a small guy either. And one margarita and a, and a couple of sips of a second margarita don't get me to 0.108 drunken. So this guy was 0.108 and he's a big guy. He took on these two cops and wrestling them around and he got away, stole their taser and he starts running. At some point during the chase, Brooks aims the taser at, right at them. So there's a foot chase. Uh, officer Garrett Rolf is, uh, is, is chasing him. He's got his gun out and, and, uh, Brooks turns around, aims the taser at him and fires it about a split second after that. Uh, the officer fires and, uh, fires three times. Two of them hit, hit, uh, Brooks in the back. 
and another hit a car, uh, another car that was in the drive-through. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, hey, what do you expect Foster to do? We just got in a wrestle wrestle match, two on one, and he took us off, took us on, and he and he got away. He gets up, swinging his arms like he's trying to punch him, takes the taser and runs. He didn't once he got away, he didn't drop the taser. He kept running, and then he turns around to fire it. You know, it's uh, reminds me of this scene from Thelma and Louise. I don't want anybody losing their heads. You know what happens? The volume gets turned way up, and the next thing you know, these girls are going to get shot. Yeah, but that movie's about two white girls who are fugitives from the law after killing a guy, armed robbery, and they and they uh, they steal a cop's gun and 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 at gunpoint put him in the trunk of the car, and they're wanted in more than one state. And but that's different. We don't want them to get shot. We we don't want it. That's just a whole different scenario because two white girls versus a black guy. Here's the audio from the moment the handcuffs came out. I think you've had too much to drink to be dry. Put your hands behind your back, boy. Put your hands behind your back. Hey, hey, stop fighting. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. You're going to get tased. You're going to get tased. Stop. Mr. Rawls. Stop. Stop. You're going to get tased. Mr. Rawls. Hands off the taser. Hands off the taser. Stop fighting. Hands off the taser. Stop fighting. So apparently these cops got into a scuffle with someone that had no idea that he had something. So you hear him say, stop fighting. You're going to get tased. Hands off the taser. Stop fighting. So then it goes on. Brooks runs away. He doesn't drop the taser, which probably would have got him away. But he, but he, he's getting a farther away from the cop. And the cop is, and the cop's following him. And when all of a sudden he points it at the cop and the cop, and he fires it. And a split second later, two bullets go into into Brooks. Once Brooks was down, the officers did try to give timely first aid while they waited for paramedics. In a moment, we'll get to the Atlanta DA who says they didn't to help Brooks stay alive, but you know, the camera doesn't lie. Listen to Officer Rolf talk to Richard Brooks, and then you decide if you think he should be charged with felony murder. Mr. Brooks, keep breathing. Mr. Brooks, keep breathing for me. Mr. Brooks, Mr. Brooks, keep breathing. Uh, you know, you know, keep breathing. If you if you've ever seen someone that's got shot, they're trying to keep them awake because once they lose, once they go to sleep, they lose consciousness and then they can't fight. He's trying. He's trying to help him stay awake till the till the paramedics get there to try and save his life. Rolf's lawyer says the officer reacted after he thought he heard a gunshot and saw a flash uh, flash in front of him, which was the taser. But that the point is that Rolf Rolf thought it might have been a gun. He thought it he whatever he thought it was. Apparently, it was the other the other uh, the other officer's taser. The lawyer statement said, fearing for his safety and the safety of civilians around him, Officer Rolf dropped his taser, fired his service weapon at the only portion of Mister Brooks that presented to him that was presented to him his back. And think about it, he dropped his taser while he's running, maybe because the taser only has a has a uh, has a uh, range of about fifteen feet. So once once uh, Brooks started getting away from him, the taser was useless to uh, uh, to Officer Rolf. You know, and when and when uh, when Brooks turned around and kind of slowed down and aimed, was he within range? I don't know, and I don't care. I don't care because officers have the right to go home alive. And you know, and uh, they say, hey, he had a taser. That's not a deadly re- weapon. Well, in the state of Atlanta, a taser is a deadly weapon. That's the law. 
That's the law. But if you're the district attorney in Atlanta, the facts don't matter. Here's D.A. Paul Howard. Mr. Brooks never presented himself as a threat. Um, at the very beginning, he was peacefully sleeping in his car. Officer Roth actually kicked Mr. Brooks while he laid on the ground, while he was there fighting for his life. Officer Brosnan actually stood on Mr. Brooks's shoulders while he was there struggling for his life. The demeanor of the officers immediately after the shooting did not reflect any fear or danger of Mr. Brooks, but their actions really reflected other kinds of emotions. Yeah, I'm going to call BS on that because, number one, he kicked the body. I've seen the picture from that, and it looks like he's running towards the body and maybe keeping, maybe even stepping over the body. Um, and it's a and it's a picture from way across the way. You know, I've heard of Photoshop, and I've heard of all this stuff taken out of context, and I think that's BS. And they were doing they were doing their job. We're going to keep this conversation going, but I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, and commercials, and I'll be right back with the rest of the story. Welcome back to part two. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and uh, financing on the radio because it's probably boring if you don't know that you're in the market. But a lot of you are in the market. You probably don't know it. If you hear someone that talks that thinks like you and you're interested in finding out about uh, buying a new property that you want to own, refinancing the property you already own, or even checking out that, that financing tool for uh, people over 62 called a reverse mortgage, uh, before you say, hey, I'm not interested in one of those, make sure you know all the details because those things are an awesome financing tool. But anyway, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and uh, click on uh, the Summit Funding logo and we will, uh, we will chat about you specifically and your, and your issues. So before the, break, before the break, we were talking about the whole uh, Richard Brooks uh, incident in Atlanta last Friday and the cops, uh, the situation they were in, how they reacted. Richard Brooks ended up dead. Uh, the protesters burned the Wendy's down. The DA made all kinds of, all kinds of unfounded uh, facts when, his, when they decided to charge the, the officer with, uh, with uh, murder. And uh, I, think it, I think you see a lot of, of uh, cops actually, what they call it, the blue flu, calling in sick, resigning over this stuff because we're not allowing cops to protect themselves. And I think it's completely unfair. The next day after the incident, uh, they burned down the Wendy's as if Wendy's was somehow at fault because they make good juicy hamburgers and they're open till late. So, uh, so drunk people and people that were out that weren't drunk could get a burger on the way home or get one of those frosties. And uh, so the protesters, and from what I saw, it was a, a white person that a white girl actually that threw the the Molotov cocktail in the in the uh, thing, but she's still at large. They haven't found her, so obviously Antifa was mobilized quite quickly uh, after this happened to get out there and make sure everything burns for this. Keep this in mind. 
Two weeks ago, in the wake of George Floyd, Wendy's donated a half a million dollars to social justice and black education charities. But the mob still burned the restaurant down. And the Democrats, and from what I also understand, the owner of that particular Wendy's is a black person. And the Democrats can say that they mourn the deaths of George Floyd and Richard Brooks all they want. But trust me, they consider those, those men martyrs for their own cause, which is to win back the White House. Some, someone who understands this is Beverly Beatty, who I uh, introduced to you uh, last, last week, and who I'm hoping to get on the show soon. Here she is at the Capitol Hill occupation protest in Seattle this week, the, the area, the six square, square copless area that we're supposed to call CHOP. I know people don't like Trump. I understand that. But let me tell you something. If I had to pick between him and Joe Biden, I'm not voting for Joe Biden. You want to see you want to see a bunch of black people go to jail by the next four years? Put Joe Biden in. Watch what happens. These Democrats, these are the same people who fought to keep slavery in. These are the same people who built the KKK. These are the same people who hated us from the beginning. The Republican Party is the party of the blacks. But yet these people are hijacking our movement the Democratic Party. They're trying to hijack us. So I don't know if it's as uh, understandable on the radio as it was on TV. You could, it seemed like you could hear her really, really clear. But let me just highlight some of the things that, that she pointed out. The Republicans are the party of the blacks. No, Democrats are the, Democrats are the South. They're the Confederate Army from, from the Civil War. Um, remember, blacks, uh, the slavery was ended in 1865 by Abraham Lincoln, who started the Republican Party. And if, you, and if you know your history, the people that were against it were the Democrats. They were against freeing the slaves. And this was a bitter battle between the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. And the Republicans were fighting to release them, to release, release them and, and say, hey, we don't believe any person should be a slave to another person. And that was the Republicans and the Democrats were fighting against it. The 15th Amendment was passed, was passed uh, five years later. That was uh, when uh, President U- Ulysses S. Grant was president. And that was the Republicans, again, that gave black people the right to vote. The Ku Klux Klan, also started by, by Democrats. If you ever watched the movie uh, Hillary's America, which is based on uh, Dinesh D'Souza's book called Stealing America, it's very, the, the, the movie is very little about Hillary. It's more about the Democrat Party and what they've done. But the Ku Klux Klan was started by, by the Democrats. Planned Parenthood was started by a lady named Margaret Sanger. And, her, and the, whole, the whole motive for starting Planned Parenthood was to be able to control the black population in this country. And who supports Planned Parenthood? The Democrats. The Republicans are saying, hey, abortion's not right. We're killing, we're killing live, live human beings. But the Democrats want to push it all the way up to the, it's a woman's choice. Do you, see a, do you see a parallel here? Do you see any kind of parallel? Let's talk about the first black president, Barack Obama. In 2003, George W. Bush started a program called DC Opportunities, which gave school vouchers to black families that made less than $22,000 a year. So they could use it at any school they want. So they could use, use those to, and if, and if, you've, uh, if you've seen the studies on, on, uh, on vouchers, the vouchers give everybody the response, the, the opportunity to go to whatever school they want. And it takes away the, the tenure from, 
from teachers. So, you know, there's a lot of teachers out there that know they can't get fired because of tenure that the school, the teachers unions have put in place. This says, hey, you can go to any school you want. If the school across the street from you has bad teachers and you want your kids to get a better education, you can take them a mile away and go to the other school. And that was a good thing for for low income black people in in uh, D.C. But our first black president came into office in 2000 in January 2009. And one of the first things he did was defund D.C. opportunities. I don't know. Elect a black president because he's good for black people. Elect a Democrat. That's exactly opposite of what's happening. And then quietly, Trump Trump uh, recently uh, uh, turned them back on in 2017 after he did. He's the one that turned those vouchers back on and refunded them to give to give low income black people the opportunity to go to any school they want. Okay, you know what? Hey, keep voting Democrat and you see how your life is. The Democrats want to pander to the blacks every four years. Well, let's say every two years because there's a congressional uh, congressional election every two years. After the election's over, they don't care anymore. It's time for people to wake up. Pay attention to what's going on. Don't listen to what CNN tells you. Don't listen to what politicians tell you. You know, you have, have Biden out there getting ready to launch his $15 million worth of, of campaign commercials. And if you've seen the commercial, he's on camera about seven seconds of the whole thing. Because he can't stay on camera for, for longer than seven seconds and keep and, and hold a sentence together. After weeks of nationwide unrest, on all these protests, President Trump signed an executive order on police reforms on Tuesday. The first highlight of the order is in incentivizing local police departments to seek independent credentialing to certify they are meeting high standards regarding the use of force and de-escalation training. In short, it means a ban on chokeholds unless the officer's life is at risk, which I think is illegal in California, apparently not nationwide. Part of this new credentialing process, chokeholds will be banned except if an officer's life is at risk. And I will say we've dealt with all of the various departments and everybody said, it's time, we have to do it. Next, the order will incentivize police departments to bring on experts in mental health, addiction, and homelessness as co-responders to situations they are called into. We will provide more resources for co-responders, such as social workers who can help officers manage these complex encounters. And this is what they've studied and worked on all their lives. They understand how to do it. Well, I know that uh, Riverside County has a, has a program that my daughter is a, a volunteer in. Uh, Casey is, is part of, I forget the name of the program, but uh, when there's a tragic accident or somebody, somebody dies or something, they, they call one of, the, one of the teams there to go out there and, and uh, console the victims, console the families, basically just being a little moral support while they're, they're, while they're stunned and in shock to do that. That kind of stuff is out there. She's not a licensed professional, but she's a she's a a volunteer that wants to do something good for uh, for her fellow man. Which uh, I don't know where she got that, uh, maybe from me, uh, but certainly from her mom, who uh, who uh, my wife Don uh, certainly taught our kids about uh, giving back and being good people. I don't know if they got all that stuff from me. They got hard work from me, but Don gave them uh, all the goodness. Uh, the order will also encourage better information sharing to track officers with credible abuses to prevent them from moving from one department to the next. I absolutely support this. They're very tiny. I use the word tiny. It's a very small percentage. 
But you have them. But nobody wants to get rid of them more than the overwhelming number of really good and great police officers. Yeah, and if you, and in case you weren't aware, good cops don't want bad cops because it makes them look bad. Just like I, I, as part of the mortgage industry, I don't really, I want to, I want to get rid of bad loan officers that take advantage of people because it makes our whole industry look bad. I'm sure car salesmen are, are the same. I'm sure a, a lot of those, a lot of people are the same. You don't want your industry looking bad because of a few bad seeds. And, you know, just like uh, immigrants that are here legally don't want illegal immigrants. They want, hey, we got here legally. Everybody else should do the same. And I don't know if you've noticed, but this week, liberal buzzwords on police reform have shifted. Remember all the protesters saying defund the police for two weeks. Democrats are trying to retrain them. The Democrats are trying to retrain protesters. Hmm, I wonder. And let me write on that. Just in case, if if you haven't, if you're not aware of this, who is Black Lives Matter? All you got to do is go to blacklivesmatter.com and click the donate button and see where that money, when you donate to Black Lives Matter, it goes to an organization called actblue.com. Okay. Act Blue. It's the Democratic Party. And they donate to Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and uh, Elizabeth Warren. And it's just, hey, they're trying to use the racism emotions to get you to donate to the Democrat Party. So I digress. Democrats are trying to retrain people with more practical rallying cry than defund. It's now words like dismantle and rebuild. Here's Elon Omar, our our famous uh, Muslim hater, our famous Muslim slash hater uh, from uh, Minnesota, who's only being asked to give her opinion because George Floyd's incident happened in, in her district. New way forward can't be uh, put in place if we have a department that is having a crisis of credibility, if we have a department that's led by a chief who's suited for racism, if we have a department that hasn't um, solved homicide, half of the homicides. Uh, and so you can't really reform um, a department that that is rotten to, to the root. What you can do is rebuild. Wait, did you catch her? You can't reform a department that's rotten to the root. That is such a pile of crap. I, you know, just this is the stuff that the Democrats are putting out there, and this is the stuff that the media is highlighting. You know what? People, wake the hell up. Wake up. Come out of this. You know, this this coronavirus thing is a farce. Is you know, is it is it dangerous to older people? Yeah, so is the flu. So is pneumonia. So is all this stuff. And the numbers are exaggerated and they're trying to control us just to win a freaking election. And this and this this race stuff in America is being amplified by uh, George Soros and the whole the whole movement of paid protesters to try and make it look like our country's falling apart. We're not a racist country. There's some racial issues. But in general, we're not a racist country. And of course, there are Democrats claiming these sweeping reforms outlined by the president aren't good enough like Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi. Let me be clear. This is not enough. It does not meet this moment. This is not enough. There are thousands of people marching in the streets. 
in 50 states demanding meaningful change. The people are demanding short. Uh, one thing I did agree with the president is Congress should act. He said that, uh, he alluded to that a number of times, Congress should do more. Yes, it would be easy to do more because he fell so short, meekly surrendering. Hey, Kamala Harris, you're, dist- you're an attorney. You're the district attorney of California. We should, we need to do more. What do you need? What do we need to do? Come up with some solutions. Don't just be a, a pointer and a blamer. Come up with some solutions. And, uh, and Pelosi, her issue, well, hey, you know, Congress should act. The problem is that why, uh, why Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi are mad about this president not touching the qualified is that he didn't touch the qualified immunity doctrine that they want to get rid of. Qualified immunity is what prevents citizens from being able to sue officers in civil court. But Congress could address that in their legislation. And surprise, surprise, it's not a Democrat leading the way. It's African-American Republican Senator Tim Scott of Florida, who had this to say about the challenge of negotiating those reforms. His bottom line is you can't make everyone happy. From the Republican perspective and the president sent the signal that qualified immunity is off the table. They see that as a poison bill on our side. We could use the decertification of officer, except for the law enforcement unions say that's a poison pill. So we're going to have to find a path that helps us reduce misconduct within the officers. If we don't do it right, then we'll have the same situation where there is no law. And there is no law and there's no law enforcement because the cops, can you imagine you're thinking about a, a, a career in law enforcement? Are you rethinking that now? Are you rethinking that? You want to have your own life. You want to serve the community, but you're, you're writing your, your white, hey, either I'm going to die in the streets or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to jail for making sure that I come home to my wife and my kids. This is bull. This is complete bull. And you know what I really want to say. Um, So the reforms were revealed in the Rose Garden after the president met with the family, after he met with the families of nine victims in a police and police are racially involved killings. He didn't just make a make a uh, uh, some comments on TV. So he looked presidential. He met with all the families. One of those family members was the mother of Ahmaud Arbery. If you don't know about this case, this was a young black guy who was, uh, quote unquote, jogging. And he was shot and killed by a white father and son in South Georgia neighborhood in February. He did not, he didn't rob or threaten anyone, apparently, and just thought he looked suspicious. So they started chasing him. And of course, if he didn't fight back, everything would have been fine. But I'm not, I'm not going to take a, take a stand on that because I don't know all the details. So here's President Trump, in, uh, including those families in his remarks about the reforms. And Ahmaud Arbery's mother, Wanda Cooper Jones, after the family had that private meeting with the president. Your loved ones will not have died in vain. We are one nation. We grieve together and we heal together. I can never imagine your pain or the depth of your anguish, but I can promise to fight for justice for all of our people. I was very, very emotional throughout the um, the whole um, conference. Um, he was he was very compassionate. He he showed major concerns for all families, not just one family, but for all families. I can um, say that uh, President Trump was very receiving. He listened and he addressed each and every family accordingly. And if you compare that to uh, to Obama, when uh, when we were in the Middle East and our and our reporters and our contractors over there getting their heads cut off and by uh, by ISIS and uh, being filmed on TV. 
he stopped from his golf game, got off the cart, came out, made a couple of comments and got right back on the golf cart. And I don't care if you like Trump or not. This is what a president does. And uh, don't believe all the BS you see on the on the media. So next next is the let's get on to the coronavirus here for the week. Um, if you go to Trump's rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma this weekend, socially distance yourself from people, wear a mask, you will die. But if you go to a Black Lives Matter protest with thousands of people literally on top of each other, you will live. At least that's the message that you got from the media this week. Here's how they condemn the president's rally for the so-called health reasons. It's a bad idea for states that are already seeing increasing increases in cases to then have these large, this perfect storm set up. That scenario there is is the worst case. I cannot believe that in the middle of the in middle of June, after all that we've learned about this pandemic, that that would even be a, a possibility. They very well may right. be infected with a life-ending virus. It's despicable. Yeah, now to compare that to what they said about the jam-packed, no social distancing uh, necessary Black Lives Matter rallies in L.A. and New York this week. You're looking at Los Angeles's Hollywood Boulevard and just take a look at how many P, just a sea of humanity there, out in full force uh, fighting against injustices. Take a look at this rally, uh, a black trans, lo- uh, trans uh, lives matter rally in Brooklyn just this past weekend. Look at that crowd. Uh, You know, it's pretty extraordinary when you see this is a large, diverse crowd, as we understand it from all the people who are reporting there. But just look at the the resounding support. Yep, a big, giant, resounding support for these black lives, transsexual people, lives matter, too. You know, can you see the can you see the hypocrisy here? Can you can you see what's happening? Wake up. Wake up. And tell your friends to wake up that are Democrats because, you know what, I walk with I walk on eggshells too around some Democrats when I talk to, but I get my point out, trying not to be so so not to be so insulting. But if you don't point this stuff out, people never listen. And uh, you know, NBC tweeted uh, tweeted uh, bad stuff about the 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 Trump rally, and within that same hour, did the same thing that uh, that the media did on uh, on the protest. And hey, there's two NBC News tweets within one hour. One saying, "Oh, Trump is getting these people. They're they're not they're not uh, uh, they're not exercising social distancing, and they're not doing this, not doing that." And then uh, admiring the the protest with no social distancing. It's uh, it's pretty BS. And then CNN devoting their entire daytime lineup on Monday to starting a conspiracy theory about President Trump's health. Supposedly, the way he walked down a ramp. I uh, took a sip of water before the West Point Academy graduation. Reveals some mysterious illness. He was seen walking slowly and cautiously down a ramp. Is he having troubles with balance? Is he having some numbness in his feet? There are a lot of questions around the president's uh, physical fitness. He drinks water or any glass with two hands. Is that anything that you find strange? And then he, yeah. I don't know, it appeared to struggle to lift his arm, and then he used his other hand to, um, to, to, to push it up to push the bottom of the glass up to his mouth. I don't know what explanation there could be for that. Do you wonder about what the, what the double standard is, is when they compare that to, uh, to uh, Biden that can't stay on camera? Let's keep him in the basement. He's fine there. He makes, he's talking speeches with his, with his mask hanging from his ear. 
what this guy, this guy is completely out of it. I don't have the clip uh, today, but just popped into my head that he's talking about something. He goes, uh, I'm being bored to sleep by my own, by my own comments. I mean, this is, this, you know, this guy is not presidential. So can you understand the hypocrisy of what's going on? They didn't seem to have a problem with the health of Hillary Clinton when she was at uh, ground zero on, on uh, 9-11 and made, made a little kind of a speech. And while they're doing the, the uh, after her speech and she left the, uh, the memorial and she almost passed out as she's going into the van and they quickly pushed her in the van and got her out of the sight of anybody and they denied it. And then she went to Chelsea's apartment you know, got a shot of shot of a wake up, wake up juice or something. And then they then they staged her coming out on the sidewalk, which the sidewalk was completely empty because Secret Service cleared it. And she made a little comment to some little some little kid on there. Oh, hey, how are you? And all this stuff completely, completely staged. But they're worried about the president, 74 year old, walking down carefully uh, a concrete ramp that might be slippery with no handrails. And you know what? If I walk down a, a, a ramp with no handrails, you know, I make, I make sure and be careful so I don't fall, especially when I know the cameras are, are on me. You know, give me a freaking break. You know what? Hey, anyway, I got lots more to talk about, but I only got like five more seconds. So, so guys out there, keep your eyes open. Keep your brain working. And, of course, call me if you need uh, financing. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona License Number 0925837. Equal Housing Opportunity.